Welcome in to another episode of the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. You can find me on X at Gump7285. Joined by my co-host, Derek. You can find him on X at D underscore Cook93, and that is spelled K-O-C-H. And we're back once again here on a Saturday night to recap and give our instant reaction to the day's games. And we'll jump right into it, the granddaddy of them all for this week. The Penn State Nittany Lions on the road in Columbus to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Go ahead and take it away, Derek. Well, buddy, I think it was uh, a little underwhelming with the way these two teams performed on the field. It was a defensive slugfest. Ohio State pulled it out 20 to 20 to 12. Uh, good old Maserati Marv had himself a game. He had 16 targets, 11 catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, to be completely honest, he was about the only one that looked good, which is to be expected anymore for for Ohio State at least. Um, Penn State never really got the ball rolling on the ground. Singleton had nine for 48, no touchdowns, and Catron Allen had nine for 26. I mean, I mean, the more surprising thing to me, honestly, was the lack of confidence for both of these quarterbacks coming from their coaches. You know, it, I know they mentioned it in the broadcast as well, but it seemed like it was just a slant, slants all day, every day. Um, I, I put a tweet out or a, a post out on X uh, at, at halftime, or right, right after halftime, about Ohio State kneeling the ball when they had got the ball back there at the end of the half with three timeouts. You look back at, you know, the three previous quarterbacks for Ohio State, they, they wouldn't have done anything like that. They had plenty of time to march down the field and score. I just don't feel like either of these teams have confidence in their starting quarterbacks, which if you're the elite of the elite, you should have confidence in your quarterbacks. Yeah, I was very disappointed that day. opted to play trestle ball and kneel the ball with, what, 36, 38 seconds left and a timeout or two. Plenty of time, especially in college football with the – First down rule still in place for that point in time in the game. Why not go for it? Makes no sense to me to go into halftime with what they had. And I know I lost a good bit of money on Mr. Singleton today. I had him and plenty of props and parlays for scoring a touchdown. And unfortunately, he did not get it done today. But on the bright side for Penn State, redshirt freshman, Caden uh, Saunders. Westerville native, suburb of Columbus, Ohio, scored a touchdown today against the Buckeyes in his homecoming back in Columbus. So shout out to him for that. It'll be nice to see him hopefully get going the rest of the season. He was a four-star recruit. They do need a lot of receiving help for the Nittany Lions. Drew Aller did not look the best. I would say probably the worst we've seen him look thus far. 18 of 42. He's usually Mr. Efficient for the most part. Although he has not thrown an interception yet, so he is keeping that streak alive, taking care of the ball when he can. Just all around, same as you, very let down. I know both defenses are extremely good, tops in the nation in their own respects, but I thought these offenses had a lot more to bring to the table today, and they both struggled, especially Penn State. Just couldn't really get in rhythm the whole game, it felt like. And then Ohio State, like you said, good old Maserati Marb. He was the only bright spot. Again, no Henderson, no Ibuka, although I heard he could be available in spot duty if needed. They felt like they did not need him, so he did not play. But Mayan Williams was the man today, 24 for 62 on the ground. He did get in the end zone, but good old Meatball was out there slugging it around, bouncing off the defensive linemen. It was fun to watch him play and play a lot today. 
But you are right. This was a good old Big Ten fist fight all game long. It, it was a good game to watch. Just my expectations were on the opposite end of the spectrum for this one. Uh, I mean, it was. I, I loved it. You know, being an Ohio State fan, seeing them walk out of, of Columbus with the victory is against the top ten opponents. So always a good thing. Uh, I opposite of you, I won some money on this game. <clears throat> I didn't put a whole lot on player props, but I uh, did have a Marvin Harrison, you know, touchdown, and then Ohio State money line and. Um, the under on the points. That's what it was. So I figured it was going to be defensive slugfest. Like, you know, like we mentioned, they are two of the top three best defenses in the country. Actually, the big 10 owns the top three defenses in the country. I don't know if that still stands. Well, who's today, who's but the best one? Michigan. All right. We'll talk about them later. Yeah. I believe it was Michigan one, Penn state two, Ohio state three, um, Ohio state, but Penn state granted really hadn't played anybody leading into the day. Ohio state at least had a tough game against, uh, you know, Notre Dame, they, they played a ranked opponent, a good ranked opponent. Um, yeah, I mean, it. this kind of was expectations for the game. Slow, methodical game. I wish that Ryan Day would open up the playbook a little bit more for Kyle McCord. I, I'm not saying he's, you know, I love him or anything, but he, he is taking some progressive steps, and uh, he's looking better week to week, but he he's not blowing my socks off for anything. And kind of like what you said, Drew Aller, 18 of 42 for 191 yards, 190, 191. Um, good on him for not getting an interception, but, man, he, he looked pretty pedestrian in this game. I know that uh, the announcers called him a game manager. I think he's way better than that personally, um, but he's got to start putting some, some good game film on tape for us to, you know, put him up to the next level. I still think he's a great Debbie quarterback. I'm still on that hype train personally. Um but like you said, uh, Lambert Smith was pretty much locked in on the day. He didn't really do anything. And that uh, touchdown by Saunders was late in the game. Game pretty much was already wrapped up. It was like within the last three minutes. But good on him. Uh, Westerville kid got a touchdown in, you know, home state. So uh, good, good on that. But, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's much more for me to say about this game. It was a defensive slugfest, fun to watch, but a little bit of a snooze fest as well. It seemed like the tide really started to change with McCord after he had that fumble that was picked up for a scoop and score, but fortunately for the Buckeyes, there was defensive holding on the play. It seemed like after that happened, it was real. he was real cautious with McCord the rest of the game. Yeah. I think the, the next two or three plays right after that was a run play right up the middle. So it seemed like as soon as that happened, Day was like, okay, well, you can't sit back there and pat the ball and have all day. It's not going to happen today, so we're going to manage the game. Stay ahead of the sticks, run the ball, third and manageable, and try to get out here with a win, which is exactly what they did. Yeah, because you exactly what you said. That was when Mayan Williams got his rushing touchdown. It was shortly after. It was the same drive when that that scoop and score was uh, called back. So, um, it's, I think it's going to be a lot of rushing the ball on Ohio State side for the rest of the year. Uh, Kyle McCord, I think he's just going to be a game manager. Probably comes back. To be honest, I don't think he has any NFL draft prospect right now. Um, uh, on the side note, Devin Brown also got hurt today. He was uh, doing a little QB sneak. I think he was from like the three or four yard line, maybe five. Uh, got stopped. I know that they said that it was a ankle sprain. There was no air boot, no air cast or anything, so that's good news. But he did get carted back in the locker room. Um, I'm not sure if any more news come out about that. But I'm personally a big Devin Brown fan, so I'm, I'm hoping he's not injured sit severely. 
Yeah, prayers up for him for speed recovery. Hopefully, it's not very serious. Yeah, it was a, the the, re, the announcers calling Drew Aller a game manager is just straight disrespectful towards him, in my opinion. If you've watched any of his film from high school, scouted him even at all, you can tell right off the bat he's not a game manager. He's got a huge arm. He's mobile. Just completely wrong on that. And I love Gus, Gus and uh, Joel Klatt, but complete miss on their part. And it was said pregame, I think, when Penn State offered Drew Aller, he was only a three-star quarterback. He went from a three-star to a four-star and ended up a five-star in the very end. We'll move on to the Oklahoma and UCF game. It was a close one, surprisingly. I was hoping Oklahoma would run him out of the building, but UCF kept up with him. I believe this was the return of UCF quarterback John Rice Plumley who played for Ole Miss previously. He's also a big baseball player, very good at baseball, mobile quarterback, can run all over the field. So he willed this team into the game and kept him in it the whole time. Heisman candidate Dylan Gabriel kind of underperformed, in my opinion. He only went for 253, three touchdowns, did not really do much on the ground. He actually did nothing on the ground whatsoever, not even a sack. Or sorry, he got sacked three times. My apologies, read the wrong part. He had twenty-two rush yards, but no touchdowns. So he had a he had a decent game, but it doesn't help his Heisman stance, in my opinion. Nick Anderson had a big game, stepping up in the absence of Andrew Anthony, five for one hundred five and two touchdowns. I saw a stat early in the game: seven of his twelve receptions were for touchdowns so far in the season. And he is the one that caught the game-winning touchdown against Texas, and that was his only reception that game. But all in all, decent performance for the Sooners. They're in that position for the college football playoffs to where they don't really need to win impressively. They just need to win. Somebody's going to fall in front of them eventually. So as long as they stay on the winning track, they have a real shot to be there in the end. Yeah, I mean, kind of echoing the same thing you said. I expected Oklahoma, especially being a home game, I expected them to go in there and, and whoop up on them. Uh, they won by, what, two, 31-29, I believe it was. Yeah, 31-29. Uh, Gabriel, a little bit under underperforming in my opinion, but he, he did enough to walk out of there with a W. Uh, Stoops also had a decent game in nine targets, seven catches in 60 yards. Um, I mean – I don't know where everybody's uh, feelings on Stoops were, but I know back in week one, people were talking about him being like the Wes Welker of of this class potentially, which I think is a little bit comical, but I I like Stoops. Um, but, yeah, the, the running game for the Oklahoma Sooners got going late in the game and able to milk some clock. So outside of that, though, they're really – to me, this wasn't a very exciting game other than it being close, but nobody really went out there and did the darn thing. We'll move on to an even more disappointing game. Mississippi State at Arkansas, a whopping 7-3 barn burner down the SEC today. Uh, really, the big point here is no Raheem Sanders once again, still dealing with a knee injury that seems to be rather serious than what was let on in the beginning of his absence. So hopefully he gets healthy sooner rather than later. K.J. Jefferson did about nothing, 97 pass yards, a pick, and 38 rush yards. So that's about it for that game. Just like yeah. I said, mostly no Raheem Sanders. It's unfortunate that he has been nicked up so bad and played so poorly so far. 
his draft stock is just in the toilet at this point. I wouldn't he, be surprised if he comes back for another year. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. I Honestly, at this point, I would expect him to come back. Uh, his draft stock has taken a significant blow to start the season. I mean, we're about midway through the season now anyways, and he really hasn't done anything. I know he's got a couple touchdowns, but even on those those games where he scored touchdowns, he's I don't think he's broke over 50 yards in the game. Um, and kind of echoing KJ, uh, we – I feel like it's this is the same story we had last year. He's he's real up and down. This is one of them down games, man. Nineteen thirty-one, so a decent completion percentage, but only ninety-seven yards. And that's again absolutely pedestrian out of him. So, you know, um, the KJ train is is not very hot right now. Now on to another Big Ten clash: the Wisconsin Badgers on the road in Champaign to go against the Fighting Illini of Illinois. This one's another close one, closer than expected. Twenty-five, twenty-one, Wisconsin. C.J. Williams, a wide receiver we've been very high on, two for 28. So he got, a, got involved a little bit today about what he's doing each and every week, just slightly getting involved here. And Braylon Allen, the star of the show, Derrick Henry Light, 29 in rushing attempts for 145 and a touchdown. Can't ask yeah. for much better than that. Yeah, I think most of his yards came later in the game. Um, they just – typical Wisconsin. We thought this was going to be a different looking offense with uh, new head coaches and new coaching staff coming in. Uh, frankly, it's not. It's where you're out, where you're down, run, 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 and defense holds up. You know, Wisconsin, they've got those big tree trunk linemen anyway, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. No reason to reinvent the wheel. And Braylon Allen, like you said, Derrick Henry Light had himself a ball game. Yeah, I'm just going to echo you on that one. If the big uglies are getting it done, why not? They're already there. Your team's built for that. No need to change, you know, come in and overhaul the offense. That's the problem with a lot of NFL teams and college football teams, quite frankly. The coaches have such big egos. We're going to run my offense and my scheme, whether you're going to fit in it or not. You need to adapt to what your team is, and good for Luke Fickle and Phil Longo for doing that, and so far it is working for them. I'm not looking at the standings in front of me, but I'm sure they'll be what the West Division I think they're in of the Big Ten. I'm sure they'll be the representative for the Big Ten title game to get shellacked by Michigan or Ohio State. Uh, I know that they were, I think they're five and two now. Um, they, oh, I'm looking at the wrong, regardless, um, they were behind Iowa before Iowa ended up losing. Minnesota, but yeah, they're they're right there with them. They'll they'll probably represent that side of the division, and like you said, they'll get slack. They'll get you know slacked by whoever they play, whether it's Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State. There's there's still a world out there where Penn State does represent the other side of the division. And I think it's a long shot, but it's it's still a possibility. I just hope it's not a world that I'm living in. Well, I was looking at it like obviously we beat Penn State for Penn State to go. They'd have to beat Michigan. Michigan have to beat us, and then they would own the tiebreaker of the three. So um, it's definitely in the cards. I just don't think it's likely that that card comes out of the deck. No, no. Let's let's hope not for both of our sakes. I'm I'm hoping that Michigan and Ohio State are both undefeated come that time, and then we get a repeat of last year. Not not saying That's Michigan wins again, you, right? but I'm hoping both teams are able to make it to the playoffs. That's it's always nice having two big teams to make the playoffs. The playoffs I say, so. are more interesting this year than what they have been in years past so far. 
with the amount of teams that could possibly get in, even still to this point, a little halfway through the season. It seems like there's 10-plus teams that have a legit shot to get up yeah. there and if the cards fall right. Uh, I think it, this is a perfect season why there should be a playoff expansion, which is obviously coming next year. But like you said, there's I don't think there's a clear-cut number one dog. If it was, it's Michigan currently. But I, I don't think there's that they're – you know, necessarily clear cut number one, hundred um, percent. Every team in the top four, I feel like, could give either any of the top four teams a run for their money. Going back to Wisconsin a little bit, we've talked about them on our other podcast, the Gridiron Fancy Show. Nick Evers, four-star transfer from Oklahoma to Wisconsin. He didn't play today. Uh, starting quarterback Tanner Mordecai has an injury. He had, I believe, surgery on his hand or wrist. So he's likely done for the season. And so they're playing with the backup quarterback. And Nick Evers was listed at third string before the injury, and he is not playing. And the quarterback, Locke, that they're currently rolling with is an absolute turnover machine. The guy can't take care of the ball to save his life. He did today, except for he lost a fumble. Still a turnover. But I don't understand why they're not going to Nick Evers. Especially in this game, Locke looked absolutely terrible in the first half. He did pick it up in the second half, but that's mostly because of Braylon Allen, I would say. So that I feel like they're going to lose Nick Evers at some point. There's no reason in this game you have nothing to lose. Roll him out there. See what he's got. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And it kind of goes back to saying, like, um, you know, if, if you want to reinvent this offense and change it up, you need to have a different style of quarterback. And Nick Evers is that different style of quarterback. Uh, I haven't been a fan of Tanner Mordecai all season. I hate to, I never wish injuries on anybody, but I feel like that injury should open up the door for Nick Evers to come in. Him being a third string quarterback makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, and kind of piggybacking off what you said, the run game getting going for Wisconsin opened it up a little bit for Locke to be able to make some, some decent passing plays. Granted, he didn't throw an interception, had two touchdowns, but he was still only 21 of 41 for uh, 240 yards. I mean, Wisconsin should have steamrolled Illinois for them to, you know, they, they didn't score that touchdown until I think there was a minute left in the game to go up on Illinois. I mean, they, they, sh- they should have won by three scores. And Evers is also still listed as QB3. He lost the quote-unquote backup competition this past week to – fellow redshirt freshman, Miles Miles Burkett. So huh. Still quarterback three, but to me, he's the most talented one in the whole room, including Tanner Mordecai. So hopefully they get their heads out of their ass. My apologies. Heads out of their butts and play Nick Evers because he is the future, in my opinion, at quarterback position and what Phil Longo usually likes to do. It makes no sense because they were talking in the offseason. We're going to find ways to get him on the field even in specialized packages. Right, so it well, makes no sense. That, and so far, we're not seeing it consistently now. He's just tossed to the side, apparently. Yeah, so it, it makes no sense that he's currently with the number one QB out, Mordecai, that he is, again, QB3 with the injury still. I mean, it to me, it makes absolutely no sense. Definitely need to get their head out of their butt before he ends up transferring, I think is a, you know, a real possibility. We'll move on back to the SEC. South Carolina on the road to face the Missouri Tigers. Missouri trampled them 34-12. to Spencer Rattler did what he's done pretty much in South Carolina the last two years. 200-plus yards, 
interception with a loss. Uh, star freshman Nicholas Harbor was the leading receiver with two for 50. He was also the second leading rusher with one carry for nine yards. If you don't know who Nicholas Harbor is, you need to look him up. Think Jatavion Sanders, but more athletic. He's a beast. He can play pretty much any position you ask him to. He'd probably be better on the defensive side of the ball. But right now, he is their quote-unquote tight end. He's listed as a wide receiver as well. Either, However which way you want to do it, he's basically the new Jaheim Bell for them. The guy that's going to line up in the backfield, split out wide, end line. He's going to be all over the place. So hopefully he continues to progress on the offensive side because he could be a monster. Yeah, which kind of sucks because uh, Spencer Rattler, I think, is still a a fairly competent quarterback. It would be nice to see him be more involved with a decent quarterback throwing the ball. Um, But South Carolina just keeps doing what South Carolina does. They go out there and and lose, man. Um, I'm sure they'll go out there later in the year and beat a team they shouldn't beat or make a game out of a game that shouldn't be a game. Um, But Missouri for Missouri, uh, Luther Burden show again, buddy. Eight targets, four catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, uh, quarterback, was it Brady Cook? 14 of 24 for 198 touchdown, no picks. So good showing from him. And uh, running back had a heck of a game, though. Uh, Schrader. Oh, yeah, Corey Schrader. Yes, sir. Yeah. 159 for two. Yes, sir. And I forgot to mention Cook also had a nine for 64 and another rushing touchdown. So uh, Missouri is a pretty damn good college quarterback, man. Yeah, I, I tend to think so. I mean, I don't think he's got Debbie upside, uh, but for, for college reasonings, he's, he's a good quarterback. Sure does have the C2C upside, though. Yes. He's going to play each and every week and be comfortable with whatever he gives you. Absolutely. You know he's going to be a starter for, what, another year or two? Yeah. Oh, you, you forgot the most important player on Missouri, the kicker, Mevis. He, again, perfect today, 2-2 two two with another 53-yarder. 4-4 four, four for extra be, points. He might just be the best kicker in college football. Definitely has the leg of an NFL kicker. He he very well could be. Um, seeing college guys go out there and now 54 yarders, I mean, that's, that's impressive. Uh, I do want to mention a guy that I talked about last week a little for a second. Mookie Cooper was the second leading target getter, um, had the most receptions for the team. He had seven targets, six catches, 57 yards, no touchdowns, but it seems like he's finally comfortable or getting involved in that Missouri offense, man. Uh, he was originally an Ohio State recruit, so I'm glad to see him doing something out there in Missouri. Yeah, apparently made the right, right choice to get on the field nice and early for him. We'll slide over to one of our most anticipated games, Tennessee at Alabama. Uh, Joe Milton, got to give him his flowers today. He played extremely well on the road in Tuscaloosa against one of the top defenses. Uh, Passing-wise, 271, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Rushing had 59, but he did lose a fumble, unfortunately. But he was on it today, man. His throws were on the money most of the time, throwing darts, bombs like we know he can do. He played extremely well. Unfortunately, they did lose it. They were up 20 to what? Seven Seven. in the first half, and then didn't do anything in the second half. Yeah, Um, Alabama got that momentum going in halftime and just rode it out the rest of the game. But Joe Milton's the big takeaway here. He played extremely well against an elite defense. Yeah, this is, um, I would arguably say, one of Joe Milton's better games he's played. Um, I, I think his first touchdown pass, I can't remember exactly who it went to, but he he put that arm arm talent on full display. 
Uh, the kid's got an absolute cannon. He he was basically the offense. I shouldn't say basically. He was the offense for him today. He's leading rusher. Didn't throw a pick. He, like you said, he lost fumble. Was only sacked three times, but he did everything he could today. Bama just came out on top. That Tennessee offense couldn't get anything done in the second half. No, unfortunately they couldn't. They started to break him down towards the end of the game when it was virtually out of reach, but still couldn't get into the end zone again. And on the Crimson Tide side of things, Jalen Milrow played a pretty good game. 220 for two passing touchdowns. Did have an interception, and he did lose a fumble. But he managed the game rather well. The rushing attack was the star of the show for them. Jace McClellan, 27 for 115 and a touchdown. So he he was really the main reason why they won in the second half. He was able to move the chains, keep them ahead of the first down marker. Isaiah Bond, our guy, caught a nice bomb for a touchdown, three for 77 in that touchdown. And then Jermaine Burton showed up again, four for 62 in a touchdown. So receiving-wise, they actually got some pretty decent help today. Yeah, which is crazy to think. Um, I was kind of going to say something about that as well. You know, week to week, we don't know who's going to be the the leading target getter, leading receiver. Um, Isaiah Bond, I think this is the second game he's been that guy. But it would be nice to get a little bit more consistency out of that for a quarterback who's not the greatest, in my opinion, Jalen Milrow. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll move on to the Pac-12. Washington State at Oregon. Oregon came away with this one, 38-24. Washington State played a fantastic first half of football. I really thought they were going to be in it to win it in the end, but Oregon did what they did, pulled away like they typically do. Uh, Cam Ward had a very good game outside of his six sacks. Even with six sacks, he still managed to net 30 rush yards, which is phenomenal. And then he went 34-48 for 438 pass yards and a touchdown. His favorite receiver, Victor, on the day, 20 targets. Caught 16 of them. A little bit of Drake May, Nate McCollum early in the year, 20-plus targets. But they played a pretty good game overall. Unfortunately, they cannot hang in the second half. And what Bucky Irving was doing today. So go ahead and tell the people what good old Bucky did today and how he looked. And I think Bucky Irvin's the absolute real deal. Um, we've talked about him several times on this show, but uh, he pretty much the heart and soul of this offense today at 15 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. And he also had three targets, three catches of 51 yards receiving with another touchdown. So three total touchdowns on a day, two rushing, one receiving. I mean, like I said, he was the heart and soul of this offense. I know he ended up getting hurt late in the game, uh, walked off the field under his own power. I didn't watch the end of it to see if he – ended up going back um if he if he didn't hopefully he, he is okay but yeah but Bucky Irving man we're both of us are huge fans and he's he said heart and soul of the, the offense today and you know Bo Nix continues to do what Bo Nix does 18 to 25 for just shy of 300 at 293 two touchdowns no interceptions no fumbles and also big big thing in my opinion was not sacked today yeah that is always a a big thing for Oregon, stay ahead of the chains. And Bo Nix not getting sacked with as much running around as he doing is pretty impressive, even against Washington State. But I'm right there with you on Bucky Irving. I've been a big Bucky guy for the last year plus. Even with his quote-unquote small stature that uh, a lot of people seem to knock him on and aren't impressed with. But Oregon played a, 
another good ball game, top to bottom, from Bo Nix to Bucky Irving and Troy Franklin. So good for them. They're back on track, and they're not out of the college football playoff picture yet. I don't think, though, they, they can still make some noise. Um, they, they're definitely going to need some help for that to happen. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about Bucky Irvin even more so. I don't get the the whole size thing. You know, he's he's still 5'9", like a buck 95, 200 pounds. Uh, you know, for a typical NFL running back, it, that is a little bit underweight. But, like, size-wise, it's not terrible. He might be 5'11". Um, but I think it's more the weight thing, but the type of player he is, I mean – He's, he's 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 freaking fast, you know. I think we compared him to what did we compare him to? Did we compare him to the Anthony Thomas? Was that who it was? Devon Achan. And maybe that's who it was. Regardless, he's he makes fast people look not fast. You know, big buff, big Bucky Irving fans over here. Yeah, we've said many times if you're were a fan of Devon Achan coming into the league, I see no reason why you shouldn't like Bucky Irving. Similar stature, elite speed. But I think Bucky Irving is better. I know what a chan is doing in the NFL right now. It's extremely impressive, but he is in the absolute perfect situation for his skill set. I think Bucky Irving can still be fancy relevant, not being in the absolute perfect situation. He's one of, I think, the top five or six leaders in making people miss per PFF. So he can do it all. Yeah, he's, he's just he's just a machine. Uh, I kind of wanted to also speak on Devon Chain. however you say his last name. I'm, I don't know. Um, but I don't think what he's doing in the NFL is necessarily sustainable. He's like you said, he's in the perfect situation. I I mean, I think he's in the top five and in, in rushing leaders for the year, but he's, he's done it all for like three games. So I just, I wouldn't expect that through a whole season. No, absolutely not. Move on to a Texas shootout. The Longhorns at the Houston Cougars. Texas was up 21-0. And then the Cougars put up 14 in a hurry right before halftime. And then from that point forward, it was back and forth and pretty competitive. Texas did sneak away 31-24. Quinn Ewers had a very good ball game, 23-29 for 211 and two touchdowns. Although he did get hurt towards the end of the third quarter, he injured his left shoulder which is his non-throwing shoulder. And he was wearing, seen wearing a sling on the sideline. So nobody knows anything at this point of his injury. So hopefully it's not serious like it was last year where he had to miss three weeks. Uh, our guy Malik Murphy came in in relief. Only got to throw the ball two times for seven yards. They kept it on the ground for the most part. Freshman Cedric Baxter Jr., Rain in the game-winning touchdown. He had six for 42 in that touchdown. Jonathan Brooks, another good game, 20 for 99. And he also caught eight targets for 51 yards. Donnie Mitchell, or A.D. Mitchell, Denny Mitchell, whichever one you want to call him, did what he does, shows up, catches a touchdown. And that's it. Else. That's it. Now, one for 14 and a touchdown. Xavier Worthy was the best receiver, six for 92 and a touchdown. But really the story here is Quinn Ewers and going to keep monitoring what exactly that injury is. Thankfully, it's his non-throwing shoulder this time, and hopefully he will be back sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, not much more to say. Um, the Adani Mitchell, I believe, was a toe tap on the side of the end zone. Great-looking catch. 
And then the Xavier Worthy one was an absolute you know, beautifully thrown ball from Quinn Ewers. I'm pretty sure just right in the basket. I think Xavier Worthy had to dive for it, but I mean, just put it in the spot where only your guy can make make a play on it. You know, um, yeah, man, not not much to not much more to add on to what you said. Hopefully, Quinn Ewers doesn't miss time. I feel like Texas is another one of them teams that could still has an outside shot at making playoffs, even with the lost Oklahoma, uh, but they need help. Quinn Ewers being healthy would help that case a lot. You know, it's a big 12 now. It's just the top two teams that go to the title game. So if Oklahoma and Texas went out, there will be a rematch. And it's hard to beat teams twice in a season. We know this. Especially when you're going up against somebody as savvy as Sarkeesian. That's right. Move on to Virginia at UNC. Uh, just to preface this, that wraps up all the completed games. Our full analysis on those. So we're going to look at some of the later games and give a check-in on what's going on with them right now. Uh, UNC is struggling. They are up 24-7 to with about 10 minutes left in the fourth against Virginia. And Virginia is, what, 1-5, I think, right now? So it wasn't expected to be a close game whatsoever. Looks like the closing line was uh, 24 points for UNC's way. So it doesn't look like they're going to cover. Drake May. I love Drake May. He's my quarterback, too. I don't think that's going to change anymore. But he plays fantastic. Lights out last week. Comes back this week and struggles. 19-36 for 258 and two touchdowns. 19 on the ground and one touchdown. I mean, come on. Uh, up and down. He When he plays well, he looks elite. And then sometimes he looks average like he does tonight. Omarion Hampton, 18 for 108. And then our boy, Demontez Walker, the alpha at North Carolina. There's no question about it. 13 targets. He's caught nine of them for 103 and a touchdown. Uh, at tight end, Bryson Nesbitt caught three for 93 and one touchdown so far. And Virginia just had a rushing touchdown and took the lead with nine minutes left. So Drake Mays got his work cut out for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think there's much, again, much more to add on to that one. Uh, Drake and May, Drake, Drake and May, Drake May, kind of up and down. I uh, feel like it's, you know, he seems like he plays down to his competition at times. Uh, no reason that they shouldn't be putting the the throttle down to, to Virginia. Like you said, I think they're a one-win team currently. They're not very good. Uh, again, kind of the same thing we were talking about another team earlier. At Wisconsin against Illinois, is this, no reason this shouldn't be a three-touchdown lead. I mean, I Devontae Walker, nice nice to see him going out there and showing that he is the true alpha. And Bryson Nesbitt, again, having a great game with the longest 62 on the one catch. Um, you know, I, I hope that North Carolina wins this game. Uh, Drake May is not currently my QB2 in the class, but he's he's right there. I've got a couple guys just kind of knocking on, the, on that number two door. Another guy that's currently playing now, J.J. McCarthy. I'm having a hard time not putting him at two currently with Drake may being so up and down so far on the year. Uh, JJ's just been smooth and consistent brother. And I know you love to hear that from an out state fan. Oh, absolutely. It's music to my ears. Just tickles me pink. I mean, at this point, I'd say Shadur is probably out of that race for the quarterback too. At the moment, he's also going to come back for another year is my belief. Uh, who else we got? We got Michael Penix could always make a big leap up there. But it's mostly between May and JJ at this point. 
Quinn Ewers, depending on the injury, if this is how the season ends, I don't think it's a bad thing whatsoever. But everyone else is going to keep playing. The NFL is always going to be, what have you done for me lately? And seeing possibly Drake May go to the playoffs, J.J. McCarthy go to the playoffs, maybe Michael Penix is there. I think Quinn Ewers could kind of fall down the board a little bit if he does miss some time in the rest of the season. Yeah, the uh, the only guy you mentioned that you didn't mention was Cam Ward, but I don't think he's knocking on that two-door at all. Um, still a huge fan of Cam Ward, but he's, I think, top five maybe. Um, this this QB class, honestly, I don't think is is that bad. It's it's honestly pretty deep, depending on who stays and who goes. I'm I'm with you. I think Shitter stays another year. Why not? Um, I do anything to not be in a Caleb Williams draft class, and I think there's still a slight possibility Caleb leaves too, or Caleb stays too. I, I think Shadur is guaranteed to stay, but I think Caleb, it's it's possible. We'll move on to another SEC battle. Right now, about five minutes left in the third, we have Ole Miss and Auburn knotted up at 14. Uh, right now, Jackson Dart's having a so-so game, 113 pass yards, one pick, one touchdown. 26 yards and a touchdown on the ground. This is a more run-heavy attack for Ole Miss tonight. Uh, I always mispronounce his first name. I think it's Ulysses. Ulysses. I, I apologize. Bentley, the transfer from, I believe it was UTEP a couple years ago. He has 12 attempts for 42, and then Judkins has 16 for 99 so far. So a pretty good game out of their duo of running backs. And Auburn. Jarquez Hunter, another name to keep in your mind for the 24 running back class, is finally starting to get back on track. 75 rush yards and two touchdowns so far. He has Auburn's loan, a couple of touchdowns, so he is playing extremely well tonight against a pretty good defense in Ole Miss. Also has a catch for seven yards, so he's you know right there. Uh, he's second in, in yardage receiving-wise as well. Auburn hasn't done anything through the air. As a team, they've got... 26 passing yards so uh but yeah he's, he's doing the thing on the ground though that's for sure uh going back to, to judkins he's at 16 for 99 um averaging 6.2 a carry but he's also got a fumble so we'll, we'll see if if Ole Miss can pull this out i think it's a lot closer than what i anticipated it to be though yeah it looks like auburn has also went from peyton thorne at quarterback to robbie ashford so with that I would expect more of a, a run-heavy approach, given that Robbie Ashford's more of the running quarterback. So we'll see if that's going to do wonders for Auburn or if it's going to be the same old lackluster offense. Then we'll move on to Duke at Florida State. This one just hit halftime. Riley Leonard actually made his return tonight, but he's not doing well. 3 of 11 for 37 yards and a pick. Duke did lead this one for... I'd say quarter and a half, and then they retook the lead right before halftime. But it's all about the running game. The two running backs, Moore and Waters, are combined for 131 and a touchdown on 19 attempts right now. So it's all about the running game for Duke. And I'll let you give a little insight to how Florida State's looking at the moment. Um, Honestly, I don't think they're looking all that great. Jordan Travis has uh, an interception thrown and also lost a fumble. Uh, Trey Benson, I mean, he's got six for 18 on the ground. Uh, this offense looks a, a little dysfunctional, in my opinion, tonight. Uh, was it Jeffrey Wilson leading the team in, 
in catches. Johnny. And Johnny, sorry. I don't know where I got Jeffrey from. Four for 47, no no touchdowns. He's got one touchdown pass to running back Holmes. He's got one catch for seven yards. Um, I don't see anywhere on here. Keon, oh, there he is. Keon Coleman has one catch for 30 yards. I'd like to see him more involved in the second half, but this, this offense doesn't look – I mean, I haven't watched much of the game, but doesn't look uh, – doesn't look to be clicking on all cylinders currently. And I think Duke defense is, is pretty decent, but I still feel like they're, they shouldn't be slowing down this Florida State offense quite like this. And Duke is very good on defense, very underrated. Look what they did to Clemson. Look what they're doing now. They're still going to keep up their streak of 12 straight games with 30-plus points. It's going to happen again tonight. I think they'll hopefully get it together more in the second half especially Jordan Travis and this run game with Trey Benson. So hopefully they come back and they pull it out. It would be a shame for their undefeated season to get spoiled this close to the finish line because after Duke, it's really a cakewalk for the most part. Yeah, I, I think uh, playoff. I, I think the – I mean, they've got a couple tough games. I think they play Clemson at some point or another, but you know, Clemson seems to be on a downward spiral currently. Um yeah, Duke, Duke's playing pretty good. I, I think in order for Duke to – I think Florida State comes out and, and hits them hard in the second half. Riley Leonard's going to have to get better in the second half for Duke to pull this pull this upset out. That they are. And speaking of Clemson, they are knotted at seven, almost halftime with Miami. Miami does have the ball at the moment, though, so this could change in a hurry. Kate Klubnik, pretty good first half. 11 of 21 for 165, a touchdown and a pick, and 15 on the ground. Uh, Receiver-wise, tight end Jake Brigginstool, three for 57 and a touchdown. He is the leader. Antonio Williams has two for 48. Adam Randall, one for 34. And that's about the stars of the show for that one. Your boy, Will Shipley, having a a subpar game, seven for 22 to this point on the ground. Yeah, he's also got a fumble. Uh, Clay Klubnick also has a fumble, so he's turned this, this Clemson team's turned the ball over three times currently. Um the fact that they're tied up seven to seven with no, with not Notre Dame, with Miami, um, it's kind of crazy to think, brother. But you know, Clubnick's doing what Clubnick does. He's going to go out there, get three hundred passing yards, probably three touchdowns and a pick. Yeah, and Tyler Van Dyke is not playing tonight. He was a game time decision, and he was not. Un, he was unable to go. A true freshman, three star Emory Williams is making his first collegiate start, and he's not playing really too bad. All things considered, he's keeping his team in the game. He hasn't turned the ball over. But they are they are keeping the kitty gloves on him. Yes. 10 of 15 for only 31 yards. But, again, he hasn't turned the ball over. He's managing the game. Ding and dunk. He's not playing hero ball. He's taking what the defense has given him. The run game is not really existent for the most part. Uh, wide receiver Smith, I believe it's Brandon Smith, had one attempt for 80 yards, so he broke free. But outside of that, and Tyler Harrell, the Louisville transfer, and then Alabama transfer has one for seven. And Don Chaney, one for three. And then the leader in the room, Allen, has five for 18. So this run game is really not doing anything. They seem to be using the passing game as an extension of the run game to get something going. I'm just trying to look to see where they got this touchdown at because there's no offensive touchdowns, and I don't 
I don't, I don't know where it came from, brother. It's my only concern right for Miami. Um, like you said, not I'm sure it was a defensive touchdown. I'd say keeping the kitty gloves on for the the quarterback. Uh, Ten of fifteen completion percentage is not not terrible, sixty six percent. But I got thirty one yards. Uh, definitely, probably more of an extension of the run game. Pop passes, screen passes, uh, which honestly isn't a bad idea to go against this Clemson defense. You know, and not the the freshman quarterback hasn't been sacked yet, and that's probably why it's you know game plan, and it looks to be working out decent for him so far. Yeah, get it out in a hurry. Don't make it too complicated. Yeah, you can't get sacked if you throw the ball quick. Move on to the Utah Utes at USC. And Caleb Williams is 0-2 in his career against Utah. Lost both games last year. He's playing so-so tonight. No touchdowns for him, surprisingly, in the first half. Uh, he's 14-20 for 139 and has 11 rush yards. The one touchdown has come from electrifying freshman Zachariah Branch that came on a one-yard rush, and then he also has one catch for two yards. So a very low dot game for Mr. Branch so far. And really, USC is spreading the ball around. What they got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different players have caught a pass for USC tonight. And ten with a target. Yes. Deuce Robinson, Austin Jones as well. Zachary Branch, of course, the punt and kick returner as well. Uh, they're they're keeping up. They're not blowing them out, not yet, but it is Utah. Typically, the defense is very good, and this is what they do. They stay in the game, stay in the game, and then figure it out with the offense one way or another. Uh, Bryson hey. Barnes is the starter tonight. There's rumblings that Cam Rising is going to redshirt this year and come back next year. And, of course, since Bryson Barnes is starting so far, we have not seen – I'm drawing a blank. Nate Johnson. Nate Johnson. I thought it was a double J, but we haven't seen Nate Johnson. I don't think we're going to. Uh, we might see a package here or there, you know, with the with the run scheme type deal going on. But, yeah, Bryson Barnes getting started I think is pretty key on Nate Johnson not playing much. Um, I guess the only thing to really add on is Zachariah Branch does have one fumble lost. I don't think that's going to, you know, hinder him in any way. He, to me, makes this offense go. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, I think it's only a matter of time before Caleb Williams uh, throws a couple uh, passing touchdowns. You know, it's, it's halftime. They'll figure it out in the second half. But like we mentioned earlier, it's really hard to beat a team twice in the season. Utah did do that last year to USC. They beat them twice. Like you mentioned, Caleb Williams is 0-2 against Utah. So we'll see if he can, you know, go 1-2 and or if he's going to, be 0-3. And that would be a shame if he goes 0-3 against them. Utah's just kryptonite for him, I guess. Yeah, they are. They just they know what to do. Which no surprise with Kyle Whittingham. He's been there for what 20, 21 years at this point, right after Urban Meyer took off. Yeah. So he's been there for almost two decades. He knows what he's doing. He's he recruits well enough, and that defense is always stifling every year, it seems like. Absolutely. Move on to our last game of the evening. Game I've been looking forward to for a little over a year now. Michigan on the road against little brother, the Michigan State Spartans. Right now it's 35-0 Michigan with about nine minutes left in the third quarter. It's been the J.J. McCarthy show, as you alluded to a little bit earlier. 20 of 26 for 276 and three touchdowns. Also has eight yards rushing. So he is 
doing JJ, being super efficient, leading the team. Uh, really, for the re- the receiving core, that's not the receivers tonight. It is all about the tight ends. A.J. Barner has seven catches for 88. And Colston Loveland, four for 79 and two touchdowns. Roman Wilson does what he does, shows up about every other week and catches a touchdown, two for 50 and a touchdown. And then Blake Corm is getting it done on the ground, 41 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, not much. I apologize about that. My son is not having a very good night tonight. I don't know what crawled up his diaper, but he's he's just he's in a mood. So I do apologize. But uh, getting back to JJ, you know, kind of going back to what I said earlier about possibly being my QB two. Uh, Devi wise, he's extremely efficient. Like you said, twenty to 27, 20 26 for two seventy six, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, he's just the most efficient quarterback in college football, huge JJ fan. I'm, I'm glad that they're um, finally putting his skills on display this season. Uh, same thing. The, the wide receiver room is not the greatest for Michigan. I think Roman Wilson's is his favorite target in the wide receiver room, but they're getting the, the tight ends heavily involved this game. Uh, we're both huge fans of Colston Loveland and he's been talked up a fair bit from us and from uh, people around the Michigan program saying that he's the best tight end Michigan's ever had or possibly the best tight end they've ever seen. And I think that came from Jake Butt at one time. So good old yes, Jake, Booty. Good old Jake we, Booty. We 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 trust him. We listen to him. He used a heck of a tight end in his own right. So for for those high high speaking highly of him like that, I'm I'm gonna put some some thought into it. But I mean it's like you said, little brother, big brother. Big brother's getting the better of him. I mean Mich- Michigan looks like the best darn team in the country right now. I have to agree with you. And Harbaugh is out to prove something tonight. He has his foot on their throat, and he's not moving whatsoever. End of the first half, Michigan State got the ball back with about minute 58 left, I'd say. Sacked him. Timeout. Run play. Timeout. Then they threw an incomplete pass and gave the ball back with about a minute 38. So Harbaugh is going for the jugular tonight. With- in the back. I was going to say, and the bad thing was that drive could have ended in a touchdown if it had not been for a false start, a 10-second runoff. Um, yeah, unfortunately, just didn't have enough time to get set. Good old Donovan Edwards didn't get set with seven seconds left. J.J. got the snap, and it was a touchdown, but they called it back. But Mich- Michigan's, they've got the gloves off, man. They they are hitting hard. Yeah, between the nonsense last year with the Michigan State players deciding it was a good idea to jump a couple Michigan players in the tunnel after they took an ass-beating, between that and what's happening with the NCAA and the whole sign stealing and all that, I'm, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's true or if it's not true. Yeah, of course, innocent until proven guilty. But like we were texting earlier, I find it hard to believe that it really is, would be doing much. I mean, one, you got to decipher all the signals. Two, you got to put them in your game plan, coordinate with the coaches on whatnot on what they're looking for, like, oh, yep, that's it right there. They're going to come out in this formation. It's going to be this play. Then you got to get your defense in order. you got to relay it to the players, get that set up. You might have to substitute, run players on late. you got to think, if that's what they're doing and why they're, quote-unquote, so good, although they've been dominating for the past two and a half years, but whatever, the defense is lining up late each and every time, waiting to see what the offense is, ha- what the offense is doing. Then they're setting their defense, putting their personnel in. Personally, maybe it's just being a Michigan fan, but 
it seems like the NCAA just has a thing for Harbaugh. They're just out to get him. They want to get him for something. They didn't get the full four-game suspension this past season. The Michigan handed down a three-game suspension. That's what they went with. That's yeah. still going to be handled after the season. For the cheeseburger? Yeah, for buying a, buying a cheeseburger for a recruit. God forbid. And then you got to think our other coordinators and coaches were suspended for watching too many Zoom workouts during COVID. Come on. But to me, it just seems like they're just trying to get Michigan and Harbaugh for one thing or another. And if if it is true, it's true. They'll take their punishment, but Harbaugh is he's out to prove they don't need to do that. That's not why they're so good. That's not why they're dominating. So good for him. I, I just feel like, kind of like we were talking earlier or texting earlier, I feel like like sign-stealing that way – I feel like that that would be so complicated to do because you've got multiple signs and most teams use multiple uh, coaches or player personnel, whatever, backups to to wave said signs and, and hand signals and stuff. I, I just feel like that's – you're throwing poop at the wall and hoping it sticks at this point. Like it's, it's not like baseball where you can, you know, hone in on a catcher signal and, you know, smack a trash can for a fastball or, you know, clap your hands for a fastball. This is a totally exactly. different. It's more complicated. Oh, it's way more complicated. I, I don't see how it can be done efficiently or effectively. To me, it, it makes zero sense. I, I think they are just, again, throwing poop at the wall and hoping it, seeing if it sticks, trying to get hardball in this Michigan team for nothing. And, then, again, that's coming from a high State fan that hates Michigan. I, I just I don't see it being a possibility. And if Michigan's doing it, they're definitely not the only ones that do it. If you're a powerhouse college football team, if Michigan gets caught doing it, you know Bama's doing it, you know George's doing it, you know Ohio State's doing it. It's it's not just Michigan. I just I just don't think it's it doesn't make sense. You can't. I don't think you can do it efficiently enough to to matter. No, I don't think so either. And the other thing, late in the game when timeouts are being called and whatnot, the game's slowing down. There's not as much signing, sending in signals going in. That's all communicated silently through timeouts. Things like that. So when it comes down to crunch time and whatnot, the, it's really relevant. Or if you like, play against the quarterback who has, who's basically a coach on the field who can make at line adjustments and stuff. I mean that there's no signs for that. The quarterback audibles, hot routes, whatever. Uh, to me, it just it doesn't make sense. I, I plus the team, most of the teams huddle, anyways. So they're huddling. This is the play. This is the kill. Blah blah blah. It's right. not just, this is the signal, this is what we're going with, period. Right. I mean, like you said, I was going to say the same thing. Other teams are going to be doing it, too. Michigan's not some kind of mastermind. Oh, let's send somebody to go. All they're doing is scouting the other team. I mean, you're going to try to sit here and tell me when you're watching game film from the previous season and game planning, you're not paying attention to their signs and signals. But since they're doing it in-season, and sending someone to watch the games, it's it's against the rules. I, I, I great, that is the rule. I think it's yeah. a dumb one because you're doing the same thing watching film from last year for the same coaching staff, same quarterback and coordinators, likely going to be the same signs. I honestly think that teams – I don't even think this should be a discussion. Teams, they, they have coaches and they, they, you pick up on tendencies. They line up in this formation with this personnel in this situation. They do this 50% of the time. They They – it's it's readable, you know. Great defensive minds pick up on stuff like that. To, to me, it's what are their tendencies? What are their frequencies? What are they? You know, it's it's 
situational based and, and these coaches get paid millions like defensive coordinators get paid millions of dollars to to know this stuff and have their players prepared for it. Exactly. It just seems like a good old witch hunt by the NCAA. It as, absolutely is. As pathetic as they are for what they've done to, you know, Devontae Walker, the offensive lineman in Colorado, they're just that's all it is to me. It's witch hunting. And Michigan just might be doing it. But again, it I mean that's football. It is against the rules. It is in the rule book that you can't send a representative to watch teams that you're playing in the current season, which makes zero sense to me. I don't get why there is such a rule for that effect that you can only rely on last season's tape to scout or whatever. Or, you know, you you can still watch tape for this season. You just can't send someone in person. I mean, it's only on the, and it's only on the defensive side of the ball, isn't it? Like Michigan's defense being out there, they're worried about it. From what I'm aware of, yeah, it's offensive signs. But again, Michigan's defense has been dominant for how many years now? Consistently in the top five, top ten. That, that's not because they're stealing signs and signals. Come on. And that's the way the NCAA is trying to paint that ass. Like Greg Schiano, when we whooped up on Rutgers when they were going into halftime, he kind of alluded to this and said, there's something going on over there that's not right. What we... They know the signs for your play and set up in a defense. You still got to go out there and execute in the end, whether right. you know it's coming or not. If you get blown off the ball in a run play that you knew it was coming, what good does it do you if you know the sign and you knew it was coming? And I feel like you that more or less execute the play. I, I feel like that more or less coincides with what I was saying was that you know you pick up on teams' tendencies and and personnel what they do in these situationals that you know oh it's it's third and three they have a tendency to come out in this package with this personnel and, you know, they, they love to run the ball off their better tackle on the left side. So that's what they do. And then you blitz on the left side and you get them for a loss. It's, it's, I, I, th- I think there's nothing here personally. I, I think it's like you said, I think it's a witch hunt, you know, Greg Schiano, old Ohio state coach. Uh, he's, he's doing pretty well over there in Rutgers. He's, I think he's building the program up a little bit, you know, doing better, but the talent disparity between the two teams, it's, 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 I think he's, again, also throwing poop at the wall and hoping it sticks. And I was going to say, quite frankly, respectfully to Shiano, Rucker has no chance of beating Michigan. No. Not anytime soon, not this season, not next year, not during his tenure most likely. They're, like you said, the talent disparity is too big of a gap. It's just whether you know the signs or not, Michigan is too damn good at this well, point. Well, and then yeah, to go down an even further route with that um, – not only is the talent disparity there, but Jim Harbaugh's team seem to be coached amazingly. Uh, you're not going to – very rarely is Harbaugh ever going to get out coached. It does not happen. Their teams are extremely disciplined on both sides of the ball. They take care of the ball. They create turnovers. Defense plays great. They're just – they're a tough matchup every year for any team. That they are. But we'll go ahead and leave on that lovely note. Uh, since we started talking, Michigan did get a pick six, and J.J. McCarthy threw another touchdown to another tight end. So they are up 42 to nothing, and I hope they hang 60 on them. At this point, it's, it's very possible. I apologize. I was trying to keep that off the whole time. I'm, I am sicker than a dog, brother. But, um, yeah, Michigan, the gloves are off. They're, they're swinging for the fences every time they get the chance. Um, it's great to see these tight ends get some love. 
Their their wide receiver room is not very great, but their tight ends seem to be pretty darn good. Yeah, good luck trying to figure out our signals for which tight end we're throwing to, huh? But that'll wrap it up for tonight. So appreciate you guys tuning in to another week of our college football show. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Gump7285. I'm sorry, X. You can find Derek on X at D underscore Cook93, and that is K-O-C-H. You can also give us a follow at our other podcast page at Gridiron underscore FS and catch that every Monday night coming out weekly to you. And also, of course, Destination Debbie at Destination Debbie. Check out my latest Debbie Buys and Sells article that just dropped yesterday on Friday. So please go check that out. See who I'm looking to send off and acquire on my Debbie teams currently. And appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll see you again on the next one. Oh, there, there is one more thing that I, I did want to say. Uh, oh. Going back to the Ohio State-Penn State game. Um, I know we talked about that almost an hour ago. But um, it, it's, it's hard to win a game when you start the game 0 for 15 on third downs. I, yeah. I feel like yeah, that I, was a, a big thing I forgot to mention. They finished the game 1 of 16. They didn't have their first down, down, third down conversion until the fourth, late in the fourth. So, forgot to mention that. But Buckeyes yeah, defense is to win when you got to get a first down in two plays. Yeah. But yeah, thanks sure for listening. That's it. That's it. I, it just popped in my head. I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks so much. All right. See you guys on the next one. See ya.